Welcome to the We Are SE podcast. This is Eric McKinney, joined today by Greg Katz. Greg, spring ball winding down just two more practices. Uh, and on Tuesday, the offensive coaches and players were able to speak, and boy, boy did offensive coordinator Graham Harrell speak. It, it was really sort of eye-opening to hear him open up about his four quarterbacks as they go through this process. And he really went over kind of positives and negatives about each one. And he said, you know, this is what I told them. The coaches have said, uh, Coach Helton especially has said, they're going to sit down and really talk to these guys about what they want and what they've seen and kind of the path forward for all of them. And Coach Harrell was kind of up front. I'm curious, first of all, just kind of your your take overall on him, the the way he opened up uh, about some of these guys and really gave kind of some significant insight, I, I thought at least, uh, into his his quarterbacks. Well, I thought it was really surprising yet refreshingly transparent. I think it's the first time we've seen uh, a critique like that, and especially when he got to JT Daniels. I, I haven't heard uh, an objective critique. Uh, I don't like to use the word negative, but objective uh, perspective on JT that I don't think I've heard even when he played at modern day. Yeah. Uh, and I give, uh, I give uh, Harold all the credit in the world because there was nothing that he said that I would take exception to. And if anything, he pretty much told it like it is. I don't think that we would have heard this type of critique uh, from uh, Clay Helton. I don't think we ever would hear that. Everything is always upbeat, which is, no, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But for what we like to see and hear and be objective, because people do hold us accountable for objectivity, it was, I thought, a, a very enlightening uh, media scrum. Uh, absolutely. And I don't think anything really, you know, came out of left field and was shocking in terms of what he said. But but just that he would really kind of go into that in-depth in discussion, I, I think, was uh, the, the more you heard him talk, the more you kind of wanted to hear more from him uh so so we're gonna well i really um go ahead yeah excuse me what i want what i wanted to say was uh i think what we really saw was an insight into his thinking process and how he's going to uh, uh eventually select the quarterback the kind of the uh, the wild card here is is his way of looking at things the same way as clay helton's way of looking at things and that's going to add to some of the intrigue and scrutiny uh, and I think it sure feels like, and we mentioned this, uh, I mean, we've talked about this from from practice one almost this spring, where Graham Harrell came in and and it does feel like he was given the reins to this offense. Uh, I mean, I haven't really seen anything during practice where uh, another coach or, or Coach Helton has sort of jumped in and, hey, we're going to do things this way. I mean, it, it feels like it's Harold all the way and again that you know we're we're not involved in absolutely every conversation or decision or anything like that uh that, that goes on even during practice or outside of practice but but it does feel like Graham Harrell has his hands all over this and is really sort of invested in this but what I do want to jump in and he ran down all four quarterbacks and we were hoping to play the audio but it, it was such a windy day uh on Tuesday that you know I don't know if we can crumple a bunch of paper or, or blow into the mics really hard to kind of get get a sense of what we we're hearing but but I went ahead and and wrote down 
uh, a lot of what, what Coach Harrell said about these players. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. You can pretend it's coming across in a, in a Texas accent inside of a wind tunnel because that's about what it sounded like. Um, but, but he jumped into Jack Sears. Uh, his quote about Jack, I think Jack is probably the most athletic. When he gets outside the pocket, he's probably the best with the ball in his hands. And I would guess he's kind of developed into that and done a better job moving around. Because he's a better athlete, sometimes I think he's quicker to get out of the pocket. So he's kind of a double-edged sword with that. So there's times where he has an open guy and instead pulls it down and runs because, again, he's probably the most athletic. And before we go into that, there was a follow-up question of Harold that is, is obviously has sort of Jack Sears written all over when he was asked, does your, do you need a quarterback that can run in this offense or would you rather a quarterback that doesn't run? And Harold again was pretty open about that. He said, it's an added benefit talking about the ability to run. I don't want them to take too many hits running the football, but then he said a few times, it's not a deal breaker, whether they can run or can't run, but he did add, it's a great perk to have. If they can get outside the pocket and throw on the run, that helps. If they can go get you yards with your feet, with their feet. Uh, I, I think that makes defensive coordinators worry. It's nice to have. And then he said, at the end of the day, we're asking that guy to make a lot of decisions with his arms. But then again, I like mobility. It helps. Uh, and then he talked about Mason Fine, his quarterback at North Texas. And of him, he said they had to respect him running the football. Um, so I think they're, you know, again, it's back and forth. But you feel like, hey, if, if he can go pick up yards, that's nice. He also said, a, you know, a several times, he does not want his quarterback taking extra hits. So I, I, I'm curious, kind of your take on this. Um, I, I don't think, and I think he's pretty clear in saying, when he talks about Jack Sears, obviously being that guy that runs the most. Uh, I don't know if this, if this makes him, you know, hey, that's a huge benefit for him, because he's also saying, I don't want him just taking off and running. The, the whole idea is you stand back, you get the ball quickly, you get it out to your wide receivers. So just kind of curious your take on, on what he said about Jack and then also that ability to run that, that obviously Sears brings more than even a guy like Matt Fink. Well, my take is, is taking off of my journalism hat and putting my coaching hat back on is that, first of all, he leads off by talking about Sears. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that was intended or not, but it first it caught my attention. Uh, to me, when he starts talking about how athletic he likes a quarterback that could run, uh, he likes that extra element. Uh, in the context of what he said about the other three, which you'll get into, there's a sense that he really does like Sears. I mean, he, Sears is a serious possibility to be the starter. Uh, I thought he left himself a little bit of an out when he said, uh, well, you know what, it's not a deal breaker if you're not. But, you know, I don't want my quarterback to get hit too many times. But, this, see, the thing with, with uh, Jack is, is very interesting because Jack looks good in practice. But Jack, and I remember his days at San Clemente High, would do the same thing. But in a game, it's almost like a, a searchlight comes on. And we saw that when Jack played against Arizona State. So there is some sort of idea of, of, well, if he actually does play, look what he did last year and look what he can do in this offense. So I thought for the most part, uh, there wasn't really any negativities uh, about about Jack. I mean, if you 
you know, he doesn't talk about, well, he's got to cut down on us interceptions or he's got to speed up his play or his leadership. I mean, there was nothing really where you sit there and say, well, what does he really have to work on? I'm sure there is things he has to work on, but it was mostly this guy's got everything I'm looking for. And that was the impression I took away from it. Yeah, I think what's gotten interesting for for USC fans, especially watching this offense the last few years, is that ability, that Sam Darnold kind of Houdini ability to take a snap, figure out what to do in the pocket for about five seconds, then find a wide receiver somewhere down the field. And, And when you think about the offense operating like that, it's one of those things, well, well, Jack Sears has to be your guy because he can do all that. But I think for Graham Harrell, he's not assuming that the pocket's going to collapse on every single play and the quarterback's going to have to figure out all that stuff. So I think he does kind of give that thought of, hey, you have to be able to stand in there and find somebody quickly. And just pulling it down and going is not going to work in this offense. Again, I do think he kind of gave sort of a, a – fatal flaw for each guy about specifically his offense not about being a foot a a quarterback uh just playing football and and that's one of those things where if Sears is going to take it down and run and pick up yards just as a as a quarterback running any offense that that you have to look at that as a positive so I do agree you know like what with with what you're saying if Sears is if if the worst thing he does is pick up yards with his feet, that's you know <laughs> I think that probably sounds good to just about everybody. Um, and, and so I do think uh, I do agree with you. I think Jack has played fine this spring. Um, and, and again, I think we've already seen that when he's put in a game situation, it does it does tick up a few notches for him. And, and it's not unlike how. It was a difficult choice on the practice field between Max Brown and Sam Darnold. And then when you got Darnold in that kind of game atmosphere, it it was just to another level. Uh, And and then I think jumping to Matt Fink, who was the next guy that that Graham Harrell talked about. uh, And and again, here's Harrell's quotes about Matt Fink. I think Fink, when he's high, can be really special. One thing we talk about with Fink is being consistent. Fink is really good when he's on and struggles when he's off. If he can be the same guy every play, which he's improved tremendously on, I think he's probably the most emotional of them. I don't know if it's maybe the most competitive or what. So he gets extremely excited, starts talking noise, which I'm fine with, but he can turn negative at times. He gets himself in trouble. We sat down and talked with him, just stay positive. When he's positive, he's pretty dang good. And I have been surprised uh, with, with Matt Fink this spring. I, when he has played well, he has looked like the guy. He, he's looked like a guy where I would be more than comfortable going out with him as the start of this fall. And I didn't totally expect that coming into the spring to feel that about him. But then, and, and right there with what Graham Harrell is saying, there are stretches where he might be the fourth guy of, of the four quarterbacks. And so, again, talking about that fatal flaw for each guy, you don't want to have your starter out there who's potentially your fourth best quarterback at times. And so I think that's obviously something that, that Matt Fink's going to work on uh, for the rest of spring and then into summer. But I, I think, again, there, there were maybe two or three practices in a row where he was, he was very good. And when you're talking about this specific offense – and him running it, 
uh, I was, I've, I've been impressed uh, again, like with what coach Harold's saying, I've been impressed when he's on. Well, I think prior to Harold getting there, I think that we could probably all agree that Fink has really improved his passing and his accuracy. Uh, but when you look at this question here about emotion, uh, you know, emotions can, can take you way up high and they can lead you down to some real darkness. And I thought that it was very curious that that was one of the themes that, uh, that Graham talked about, this idea that when he's good, he's really, really good. And when he's not very good, you know, he is emotion. He can, you know, it gets back to this leadership role and how important leadership is in the huddle and players respect, uh, you know, this idea that when he goes negative, you know, it really makes an effect. And that's something that, you know, that, that Matt can, can work on. But it is an element. and it is, it is something that they're going to be looking at. And not only how he presents himself, but how he, uh, his communication to his teammates is perceived in a huddle. Okay? Uh, I'm not saying that I don't do the same thing, to be honest with you. I'm sure when I get negative, people sit there and say, oh, my gosh. You know, get the umbrella. The rain clouds are coming, <laughs> but I understand. I understand. I understand that. Uh, and uh, you know, there. I don't think there's a. I don't think there's a question about his physical ability at this point. I think uh, I agree totally with what you said. He, he can play. So it gets down to, in a way, that leadership because the emotions. And this season, especially coming up, where there's going to be so much scrutiny and pressure on bouncing back from a five and seven record, and with Clay Helton's job supposedly on the line. Uh, they need stability in all areas. So it'll be very interesting to see how does how does Fink prove himself about uh, showing uh, taking the critique and, and convincing the coaches that you know he's made a change in how he looks at things and how he communicates. It'll be it'll be very interesting to watch. And if you're if anyone's curious about how much Graham Harrell how much emphasis he puts on his quarterbacks being a leader he said again later in this interview half of being a quarterback is being a leader and he talked about making the guys around you better and so that's something where leadership specifically and and we'll get to jay-z daniels and a a couple guys here uh but he has talked a lot about leadership and what he can do better and and how he can change that because uh, i i don't think it's any secret there were questions last year about leadership and that's for the entire team anytime you're five and seven you, you want to know where leadership is coming from. And so that's been a big topic this spring. And so Graham Harrell, again, on Tuesday, gave a little insight into how important that is for him. Uh, and then so that's two quarterbacks down, getting to the third one. The, the, he jumped into true freshman Keevan Slovis. Uh, and again, if you're talking about Matt Fink being kind of a surprise this spring, Keaton Slovis has been a, a – I think a extremely pleasant surprise with how he's played. And so this is Graham Harrell talking about Keaton Slovis. I think Keaton is special with his arm. He's a talented guy. He's just gotten better and better every day. He does things right. One thing I think that helps him is since he's been in college, the only offense he's ever had to play is in, in play in is this offense. And so honestly, I think that helps him because he doesn't have other things kind of clouding his mind or been taught other things. And so the only thing he knows is what we've told him. And because of that, I think he does a really good job of doing exactly what he's coached. Keaton has a lot of talent. He throws the ball really special. The ball comes out of his hand well. 
Again, at times he forces balls, probably because he's a freshman, and a couple times he probably has been tricked, fooled by disguises more than the other guys. But again, I think that's just a freshman being a freshman and learning college football. So again, you have the fatal flaw of you can't throw a starting quarterback out there who's going to get tricked by a bunch of different stuff. And, uh, you know, that's obviously something that's going to come with being a, a true freshman. And we saw that early on uh, in spring ball happened a couple times with interceptions. But the one thing that jumped out with Slovis early on is that ball comes out of his hand really well. He, he's one of those just natural throwers where uh, when, when he throws it, it just looks nice. I think the ball gets to the wide receivers uh, in, a, in a good spot. It's probably a ball they enjoy catching uh, just in terms of pace and, and timing and that sort of stuff. Said he's working on timing just because the speed of these wide receivers uh, is something different than he's worked with in high school. I, I don't know if I'm totally ready to launch him into, yeah, this is absolutely a guy who can start, but the idea of what Graham Harrell was saying about how he knows this offense pretty much as well as anyone else, because he spent just as much time in it. I think that carries some weight. And so I don't know if he's a guy where you just sort of know we're going to cross him off right away. Uh, I think it's an uphill battle because again, that idea of maybe not being able to read defenses when they're disguised, that, that's a tough thing to get over uh, as a starting quarterback. And so just curious, Again, your thoughts on what you've seen from him, because like I said, I, I've, I've been really impressed with him. Well, first of all, what I noticed is that he is a legitimate six foot three. Okay. Sometimes we, we get the heights and weights of quarterbacks and they're not as big or as tall. Not, not that I find that, you know, any significance. The key is, can you throw it to somebody else who can catch it? But I will say this with, with, with Keaton, uh, when I've watched him and I look in the helmet, and I watch, he's got the eyes of a quarterback. He is, he really can see what's going on there. In terms of where does he rank in the pecking order, I will just say he ranks fourth. And the reason is, is uh, supporting what you said. You know, there is a thing to be said about, uh, okay, he's running a new offense, but so is everybody else. But everybody else has seen different defenses. They've seen Clancy's sure. defenses, and he hasn't. And given the situation that the Trojans are in heading into next season, they really can't afford to have a inexperience against college-type defenses right away. That being said, if you did not know that he was a true freshman, you wouldn't know that he – you would say, oh, he must be a, a sophomore or a junior. He's been that well-trained by Kurt Warner, who was his high school coach at Desert Mountain there in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, I get the sense that this guy is a serious uh, contender in the future. Not today, but in the future. And if I really project, I go, this guy is so smooth, so smooth. I'm really not quite sure how much he can run out of the pocket. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't really do that. That doesn't mean he can't do that. We just don't see him do it as much as Sears or Fink. But from, from my perspective, uh, I try to project that look who's coming in next year. You're going to get Bryce Young coming in. And he's kind of like a Kyle Murray type of player. You know, he's going to run. He's going to dance. He's going to go all over the place. Almost the complete opposite right now that, that you see in Keaton. So eventually you're going to see a battle between uh, Bryce Young and Keaton maybe two, three years down the line. Uh, and it's going to be very interesting because 
Keaton will by that time have adjusted to call his defenses. He'll he'll have seen him in practices. But in terms of where he is today, I don't think you could ask for much more than he's than he's shown. I mean, he's he's definitely a definitely a player. He's not a throw in for the class of 2019. That's for sure. Uh, that that's the point I was going to make. The idea that he is sort of this bridge from JT Daniels to Bryce Young that that's out the window I'm not saying he's better than either of those two guys but the idea that he can't be the starting quarterback at USC in the future I, I think this spring uh, completely threw that out the window he was able to talk to the media for the first time on Tuesday and, and you know as impressive as he's been just throwing the ball and watching him go through practice he was every bit as impressive uh, answering questions and standing up. And again, you hear that, you know, leadership, leadership, leadership. And, and again, it's it's answering a few questions, but, you know, the eye contact, the, the, the way he answered them, I, again, I was, I was impressed uh, w- with him on Tuesday being able to talk, you know, for himself for the first time this spring. Yes, I thought he, I thought he handled himself uh, in, in mature years far beyond his age right now. I know he, he hasn't been to his prom yet, and that's that's all like a good story. But in football age, uh, he he's definitely uh, in the uh, AP program. Sure. All right, and then JT Daniels, and and hold on because this is actually the long one from uh, from Harold. Uh, he JT, I think, has done a good job. He's been pretty consistent throughout this spring. JT anticipates well. He throws the ball well. He understands things. He's very smart. JT gets in trouble when he overthinks. And because he's so smart, I think he overthinks sometimes, overanalyzes things, and isn't as fast making decisions because he does overanalyze things at times. And so with JT, I think the key for him is don't overthink. And again, we try to simplify things so you don't have to overthink. Just see it and pull the trigger. If there's grass over there, throw it. We don't have to break down exactly where all 11 guys on the field are. Just there's an open piece of grass. Try to throw it to the open piece of grass. It's pretty much that simple. Let's not overcomplicate football. With him, I think, again, he does a lot of things well. The only time he gets himself in trouble is when he overthinks, and then he likes to slow down, and we're playing fast. Sometimes I think he slows down the tempo because that's just kind of how he operates. So that's the other thing I've stayed on him about is you've got to be able to keep the tempo going and play fast and operate really fast. Again, you're talking about kind of that fatal flaw in the Graham Harrell offense. Graham Harrell wants to go and go and go. And if you can't keep up with them, I don't know if you can be his quarterback. And so that's something that I think is, is really worth watching. And these are all things, uh, again, talking about all four guys, kind of the, again, like you said, the negatives, which a lot of them are just sort of things to work on. It's, it's not going to disqualify them from anything, but it, you know, they are things that you've only had, at this point, 13 practices to try to figure all this stuff out. So that's going to take some time. And Graham Harrell was asked also, you know, do you see a starting quarterback coming out of spring? And he's, you know, he basically said it's 15 practices, you know, that this is not enough time to really get a sense of if they can do this and and how this is going to go. Uh, He said, summer's going to be really big. Even getting into fall camp is going to be really big for these guys. But I think that that was kind of eye-opening, just the fact that he needs to play faster. Again, because if you're going to be the quarterback in this offense, that's something that Graham Harrell is going to expect of you. So I think that is something that's actually fairly substantial uh, in terms of what 
JT Daniels needs to get better at to be the quarterback in this offense. And we've seen him throw the ball. It's, you know, he, he throws the ball so well in practices. He runs seven on sevens. He runs 11 on 11s and it, it looks good. But again, we're not in there hearing the conversation of you're going too slowly. You're, you know, you're not going fast enough for this offense. So again, another kind of eye-opening thing to, uh, to hear from Graham Harrell talking about, about JT Daniels, the returning starter who I think probably heading into spring and even through spring, people kind of, at least I was sort of comfortable with the idea that it's, it's probably going to be JT Daniels again, based on what he's done this spring. Well, I think that uh, it certainly is not going to be shocking if JT is the starter. I mean, if all things are equal, I would actually expect him to be the starter. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, why wouldn't you have I mean, He's got the experience. But I think some of the things that uh, Graham Harrell said to me were quite revealing. Uh, number one, JT has been raised a certain way through modern day, knowing where everybody is, knowing where he's, he's being asked to retrain his brain. And I think it affects him more than it does the others. Okay. Uh, and because JT probably is he's such a gym rat and analyzes everything that to try to make something simple uh, is really a, a challenge for him. And I think this point where he slows things down uh, makes me think about last season where there were, uh, you know, uh, accusations made that he locks on to receivers, that he, he looks just for uh, Amon Ra, you know, St. Brown, uh, which in theory would say you're slowing things down because if you're looking at one guy and you're locking on, you're not, you're not going through progressions fast enough. And I think that, you know, I can't remember when I've heard JT be, and I don't like the word criticize, but I, that's the only word that I can think of. Uh, and, and he took, like you said, he took a lot of time in discussing JT. I almost felt that if I, if I, if I listened to what was said about Sears and what was said about JT, I could see a difference there. There was no slowing it down with Sears. Okay. There was no like, you know, he, he's, he thinks too much, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, I think JT is great uh, when he's, you know, in practice uh, in the sense that, you know, he hits all the right guys and, the, you know, in the skeleton drills and all that stuff. But that isn't the game. Okay, that isn't the game. That isn't the fast pace that Harold wants. I think, personally, the biggest elephant in the room is Clay Helton. Clay Helton kind of has given the impression, I'll go farther than say he's more than kind of, it's like JT is his guy. I mean, he understands that JT went through all that, you know, uh, academic acceleration to get through his junior to senior year and to graduate early. And he, I think he feels like he owes it to the kid to give him every possible chance, kind of like what he did with Max Brown in a way. Okay. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be a really interesting thing. And I know where you're going to go next as far as the leadership, but just based on where we are right now, what is Clay Helton thinking? Okay. I think if Clay Helton goes with Sears, because that's the recommendation of Harold, it will set off a series of chain reactions. That'll be a very interesting to see how the, the team, I mean, there is that, that, that rumor true or not true that Helton wants, uh, 
you know, JT, that some of the offensive players, they want Sears, but whatever they choose, they've got to justify the choice. So, you know, JT certainly would be not, it would be shocking if he's named, but I think we're being prepared possibly by Harold's comments that uh, maybe he's thinking in terms of a little bit more wide open idea who he thinks will, will start. And I do think one of the good things that's come out of this and this analysis of the quarterbacks is you've got the impression that, yes, they're not ready to name a quarterback, not because it's politically correct, uh, but because they need to get more information. They need to see these guys really in the middle of training camp in August. You know, where are they then? Let's see another 12 or 13 practices, a couple more scrimmages, and that quarterback will, will – uh, you know, will surface. But I know, uh, let's talk a little bit, if you might, uh, on leadership. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, <laughs> where do you want to get into with that? Because again, like I, like I mentioned, JT Daniels has said over and over, I, I need to be a better leader. This is something I need to work on. And I thought it was interesting and, and maybe got sort of uh, buried a little bit. But after one of the practices, he said last year, he came in and he wanted to have that shut up and work mentality where you're, you just are quiet. You put in a bunch of effort. People see that they respect you. You're a true freshman. You're not supposed to be the guy, you know, that's, that's in everybody's face and, and firing everybody up that it doesn't work if you're the quarterback, right? I mean, you need to be the voice people hear. You need to set the tone. And I think that's something that JT Daniels has realized I don't know if he can get there just because I, I don't think that, you know, we obviously didn't really see a ton of it last year. Uh, I think that's something that he's working on. Uh, it it maybe, you know, like, like Graham Harrell said about sort of Matt Fink's, you know, passion and his competitiveness. I think we saw from Jack Sears. I, I think maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe it's easier for those guys to be able to do that. Um, I, I don't think that it's impossible for JT Daniels to get there, but I think that is, that that's going to be something to watch. And, and that's why I'm curious about summer, the, the player workouts over the summer. Uh, I think it's one of those things where when coaches are there during the spring, you're hearing from them, uh, they're sort of taking the lead on all of that stuff. It's easy to sit back and, and kind of go through it. When you're in the summer and it's you and and whoever is sort of driving the bus over the summer, uh, that that's kind of the the energy and the focus that the team as a whole takes on. And we saw this during the Pete Carroll years. Even you could kind of get an idea for what sort of season was coming up based on how guys acted during the summer. And I don't think it's any surprise to hear that those, you know, the, the early years and, you know, the, the pre 2008 season, those kind of years, it was just at, you know, absolute focus and you knew who the leaders were and those guys were just pulling everybody through summer. You started to see some years where it was more kind of, you know, lazy and, and a little bit of goofing off, uh, and dur during the summer, and it gave you a real good idea of, all right, this, this potentially could be what we see. So when Graham Harrell talks about how important summer is, I think that is specifically what he's talking about, which one of these guys can really take control of things 
during the summer when coaches are not out there. So again, that's not something that we've seen yet, but I think he's kind of anticipating that uh, being something that, that he sees that he hears about that's going to go a long way potentially towards making that decision. Let me give you a, a perspective here. It's, you know, you could have four guys all pretending that they're leaders. Okay. Uh, they, you know, they make the phone calls. We're going to be meeting at two o'clock on the, you know, an hour Jones field. We're going to throw the ball. What the coaches are going to be looking at is they are going to be looking at who does the team listen to? Okay. Who do they gravitate to? You know, it, you know, if you look at the list of players of quarterbacks and you threw out the athletic ability and you just look at the leadership, what order would you have these players, uh, these quarterbacks in? Uh, I don't think you'd have JT at the top, but the good news is JT realizes that. And plus JT came from a program that was really, I mean, a high powered national high school program where, I mean, it was as good as you get. Uh, maybe he didn't have to demonstrate some of these qualities that, you know, he's around other players that, that didn't come from elite high school programs that uh, are not used to, uh, you know, the type of motivation that he, you know, uh, you know, uh, look how I'm doing it, you know, by example. Uh, and so he's having to learn that, look, not everybody is a modern day monarch. Uh, you know, we got guys coming from schools that didn't even win, the, win their league. Okay, and their players that were got their notoriety in camps and what have you in all star games, but it's a different type of animal. Uh, so the question becomes: Is who do the players want to see at quarterback? Who do they believe? Who do they trust? And I think that that's one of the aspects that that Harold will be looking at, even though he says. Uh, that he's not allowed by NCAA rules to be, you know, leading the, the charge there. But he's going to see – he's, he's going to hear it from other guys. I mean, to think that coaches won't say to, their lead, to some of their other leaders, who are the guys gravitating to? What's the, what's the feeling on the team? Because, you, because of the schedule SC has next year, they can't really afford to experiment uh, with certain things that uh, – Maybe they could have in other years. I mean, they need to be ready to go for those first six games. And it really starts with leadership. And I don't think we can underestimate enough Harold's belief that it's all about being the leader. Now, if players, let's say right now, let's just use the example. If, if players really do think that Sears is the guy uh, to listen to, JT has to get those players, whoever they may be, uh, to make it, make himself prove to, to the others that he is now the leader. He's not JT, the freshman. And I'll tell you what, I give him a lot of respect because he knew coming as a freshman that, you know, he had to earn his respect. And so therefore I think his personality was, uh, I'll prove it by what I do on the field. But by the same token, yeah, if you prove it on the field, just from a physical standpoint, that does work up to an extent. But those players want you to tell them to be the leader. That's why the quarterback is the is the is the leader. Okay, uh, and I think that's an important thing. So I thought I think that we all have to take into account this leadership uh, idea, uh, and that uh, you know when you look at Fink, you go, okay, if he gets negative, is that a leader? Well, I I think that being critical. 
and being negative are two different things. Negative is, you know, are you putting somebody down to the point that they don't want to play for you or they won't listen to you? And when you have something constructive to say, they turn off. So, you know, you really see what type of player does Graham Harrell want in that huddle uh, leading, leading the charge. And I don't think even whoever is named as the quarterback to start the season, there's no guarantee by the time that third or fourth game rolls around that there might not be a change there as well. I mean, it, it like you said, it is a tough start to the season. I, I'm interested uh, in Graham Harrell said at the end of spring, he doesn't anticipate naming a starter. He said, we'll sit down and tell them where they stand, you know, if, if there was a game today. So they'll have an idea of kind of the, the, pe- the idea of the pecking order. But he said there's a ton of time where a lot of things can change. What I'm curious about is you get into fall camp, and I know we're spinning way forward here. How often, I mean, how long do you go splitting reps between these four guys? I know that this offense can get a lot of reps done in a short amount of time. So maybe you don't need, you know, as many full practices with a starter as you might in other offenses. But I, I, I'm, I'm not looking forward to the idea of splitting reps still four ways, you know, halfway through fall camp. And maybe they're convinced that they can do that. Um, but, but the way Graham Harrell was talking about how, how many practices that they'll still get to watch these guys in fall camp, I, I'd be curious to know exactly sort of when they want to make that decision. Um, because, I, you know, we, we talked a little bit last year, too, about – did JT Daniels get enough time with the starters to, to develop those relationships to, to become that leader? I, I, I don't know if he did or not. Um, it didn't seem like he did just kind of with uh, the, the connection that he had with the other offensive players. So that, that's something that I'm going to watch again. I think whenever they name the starter, they'll feed that guy reps and get him up to speed as quickly as possible but the idea of there being four guys splitting it, and especially over the summer, if you really are having kind of four guys try to take a leadership role, that, that's something I'm curious about watching to see how that actually works. If it kind of splits it or, or makes it a, a divide in the team even more, or if really one guy is able to, to take that leadership role and, kind of bring everybody together, make them gel, bring, you know, bring them cohesively together as one unit. Well, let me just touch on a couple of things that you said, which I think are good points. Um, I don't think there's a great last week of, the, of uh, training camp to name a quarterback against Fresno State. I think personally, if there's 30 practices, let's say, for training camp, uh, something like that, 25 or 30, I think after the first half, uh, they're going to name it. I think they're going to name it at least two weeks before the season starts. Graham Harrell did say that he wanted to give the quarterback, the starting quarterback, a ton of reps. Okay, uh, and let's not forget that this guy not only is the offensive coordinator, he's also the quarterback coach. And uh, you know, if Hilton is going to go by what Harrell run the show, so to speak, uh, you know, City Hills call when to name the quarterback no matter who gets, who gets named. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I think right now the, the thing to me is, is winning over the team. 
you know, making sure that when they do name that quarterback, the team, uh, you know, especially, well, and you have to include it, the team, it's offense and defense, can, can really support uh, whatever decision is uh, being made. So in terms of when they name the quarterback, I think it's going to be uh, earlier rather than later. I think the circumstances from when JT came in last spring, I think that they were, uh, let's put it this way, uh, a little bit chaotic in how they were going about it. Maybe it's just the circumstances. This has been a very smooth and a compliment to Clay Helton and to the coaching staff, a very smooth spring practice. There's nothing that I would say was negative to it. Okay, Would I like to have seen a, a really more true scrimmage, like 70 play, knock your, knock your helmet off scrimmage? Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that. But that's not that philosophy, and they're entitled to do what they think is best. But that being said, uh, I think that that first two scrimmages that they have in training camp, after the second one, I don't think Harrell is going to want to wait. I think he's going to say, look, we got to go with it, and we're going to do it. And that might be just a, a difference in personality between uh, how Helton goes about his business. Helton traditionally, no matter what he does, seems like he's late in doing something, whether he's a picking a coach or whether he's doing anything, it seems like uh, he's very meticulous and maybe to the point of going the extra mile. I don't, I don't think Harold, for what he's doing and what I've seen, feels he needs to go that extra mile. Uh, I don't think he has any emotional bond in terms of, uh, you know, I like this guy. I think he came in with an open mind. I really do. And so that's what's going to make it, what's going to make it fascinating. But I know, I know one thing that whoever becomes the quarterback, I agree with Harold on this one, he, he will surface and he will have all the qualities that Graham Harrell wants. And hopefully uh, that Clay Helton will agree one way or the other, even if it's JT Daniels, they'll, they'll all be on the same page. Cause if this team, if this team wants to be successful and rebound, they have to be pulling uh, the rope from the same side. One of the things I, I think that I, uh, I'm just going to do it. You know, I listened to Cam Smith. He was one of the captains from last year, and he was bemoaning after the season how some guys weren't putting out and some guys weren't doing this. It was really kind of an indictment on the team at some level. And I think that that shows you that the team doesn't always listen to the captains. And this goes back to something you, you, you brought up about the captain and, and players following the lead of a captain. Whoever the captain's going to be this year, at least from an offense standpoint, they have to really buy into it. I don't know if it'll be a quarterback. Uh, I, I don't even know how they're going to select the captains, whether they're going to go by a team vote. That'll be very interesting and something that we'll, uh, we'll follow with, uh, with great uh, interest. Yeah, I, I do agree with you about the points of, of when they probably will have a starter in place in fall. Um, that, that's just going to be an interesting process to watch to see how that plays out. And again, I, I think that this, it, it was a, it was kind of, I, it, it felt sort of, sort of light footed. Um, this quarterback competition during the spring, it wasn't like every single day. It's like, Oh, what are the quarterbacks doing? What's going on? It, it did. They did a good job. I feel like of sort of just incorporating that in because everybody had to learn this offense. It's not like you could shove a whole ton of time uh, and, and emotion and all that into a quarterback competition when you've got to get the whole offense up to speed. You had 
you know, uh, wide receivers that needed to learn. You had an offensive line that kind of needed to go through a, a entire training camp to figure out how to fix the issues from last year, how to step into this new offense. And so I do agree with you watching these practices. Uh, it, it felt fluid. It felt like they were getting something out of everything they were doing. There wasn't a lot of standing around by other guys while you watched something else go on. And so I feel like something else you mentioned, the, the quarterback is going to be the guy that takes it. I, I don't think even kind of hearing kind of the, the nitpicking and the critiques from Harold, this is not going to be something where, all right, we'll, we'll pick the guy who makes the fewest, you know, bad choices or, or, or the, the worst or the, you know, the best of bad options. It's going to be, I think with what we've seen so far, these guys can all handle it. I, I don't think whoever they go with, it, you know, we're all of a sudden going to find out, oh man, this, this guy can't run this offense. So I, I do think coming yeah, right, out, right. I, I think coming out of spring, you're in a good spot um, with these quarterbacks. And obviously Graham Harrell, he, he said, he's told all these guys, these things throughout spring. And his quote was, they've done a great job working on the things I've told them to work on. I've been encouraged by that. And so I think coming out of spring, I could probably speak for you on this. I think we're all kind of encouraged um, with what we've seen from the quarterbacks, the way they've taken to this offense and kind of what potentially is in store um, for, for USC fans at that position uh, moving forward into fall um, and into the season. Again, you mentioned a tough schedule. You can get a whole lot better at quarterback on, and on offense and still kind of have some, uh, some issues with some of the defenses they face early on. But at this point, coming out of spring, I, I think that uh, quarterback play has been, go, you know, go ahead and stick that in, in the positive column uh, with what we've seen. So, again, I, I loved hearing from Graham Harrell about all of these guys, and I think once we finally do get an answer on that starting quarterback – I have no doubts that he's going to be front and center. Here's why we picked him. This is exactly what it is. Here's what the other guys, you know, can still do. This is why they're behind. Uh, and so I think that has been kind of a breath of fresh air to hear him get up there right front and center and talk about his quarterbacks. Uh, and so we'll finish out spring ball practice on Thursday and then the final spring ball practice on Saturday. And then we can just start, uh, ticking down the days until we get to fall camp and then the 2019 season. So for this look at the quarterbacks for Greg Katz, this is Eric McKinney. Thanks for listening to the, we are SC podcast.